have once again now. Why don't we just praise Him? with you. Amen. And we all just work together and create an atmosphere. Amen. The Holy Spirit will be pleased to come and visit each and every one of you. Amen. Why don't we sing of the power of His love together. Amen. Lord, I've come to You. Let my heart be changed. Be Flowing from the
Why don't we sing this song together? Our God reigns. How lovely are the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good.
that way. Amen. I know the Holy Spirit is just pleased with your worship. Amen. I can feel His presence this morning. Amen. We're going to turn to Him at this time as musicians play something softly there. I have a few needs to bring to your attention. Amen. We want to just remember these. Amen. That God would touch these needs. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, If you will remember Brother Stephen and Sister Sarah, they're not with us at this time. Uh, we also want to remember Brother Troy Hughes uh, in prayer. He sprained his ankle, so he's asking for prayer. Amen. We also have a prayer here for Brother uh, Joe Pascal Jr. I think he's having a knee issue. We'll ask that God would touch his, amen, his situation there. Uh, keep Brother Ron Knobloch in your prayer. Amen. He's dealing with a kidney stone. Man, I know that's a very, very painful situation to be in, man. So we want to remember him in prayer. Uh, Brother John, Jonathan Mall, is not with us at this time, and his family, if you would remember him in prayer, I think he's having to work. If you would also remember Sister Hannah in prayer, she's not with us today. Um, And we also want to remember the... Folks over in Johnson City, Brother Reagan's church, many of them are dealing with the sickness going around, so it's uh, just a sad thing to see, so we want to remember those people in prayer. Man, it's a rough, rough thing to be going through right 
at this time. My wife had a special request, a dear friend of our family, her granddaughter, uh, her name is Laura. She's in her uh, early 30s, I think, and she's having to have open heart surgery. And so if y'all would remember her in prayer, she has three small children that she has to care for. So please remember that special need in prayer. Amen. Brother Ben McCafferty, would you come forward at this time, brother, and pray over these needs for us? Amen. Do you have any unspoken prayer requests? God knows your needs, friend, and we're going to pray with you. Just keep those on your heart. Our Heavenly Father, it is a truly an honor, Lord, and we don't take it lightly, Lord, to be able to gather this morning, Father, with our brothers and sisters, to be able to come and worship you together, Father, and to hear your word, Lord Jesus. Lord, we're so thankful for that. We're thankful for your grace and your love and your mercy to us this morning, Father. And Lord, we truly, we are a needy people, Father, and all these prayer requests brother, that our brother Jaron mentioned this morning, Father. Lord, those that are our members of our assembly, Father, that aren't here, Father, some of them are streaming, some of them are traveling, Lord. We just ask that you'll be with each one of them, Father. And Lord, may your presence be with them this morning, Father. Lord, our brothers and sisters that are over in Johnson City and the rest of the bride, Father, that are having to deal with situations where their churches are either being able to not meet together, Father, or they're having the sickness, Father, in their assemblies, Lord, we just ask that you'll go and be with them, Father. Lord, the other prayer requests that our brother Jaron mentioned, Father, Lord, we just ask that you'll be with each situation, Lord. And Lord, we ask that you'll bless our brother Jaron, bless the musicians, Father. Lord, we ask that you'll bless our worship this morning, Lord. And Lord, help our hearts to be ready to hear the word, Father, because that's why we're here this morning, Lord. We all want to be closer to you, Lord, and we all want to live a better life, Father. Lord, we just ask that you'll help us to have our hearts open this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. Sorry to keep you standing so long. Brother Keith has a special for us this morning. He wants to be making his way. morning. It's not often here of late that I get to be here two Sundays in a row. It's just such a blessing. Just had one of those weeks. I know everybody has them, but it's nice to come here and just kind of stand up and and uh, tell the old devil, no matter what kind of shot you throw at me, somebody greater's got my back. And we don't understand why we go through what we go through, but We'll understand it better by and by. I just I've sung this song all week and I trust it'll be a blessing for you. Tempted and tried we off made to wonder how it should be thus all the day long. While there are others living about us, oh, never molested, though they're in the wrong. But Father, along with 
and why So cheer up my brother Live in the sunshine Cause we'll understand it Oh by and by When death has come and Taken our loved ones It leaves our home so sing a song or two before our pastor makes his way. Why don't we sing the song together, There's a Light in the Window. Beth? There's, there's a light in the window 
table spread its splendor. Someone standing by the open door. I can see the crystal river. Oh, I must be near forever. I think we're going to have to bring it up here. Sick people. Let's get on the right key there. Is it G, brother? In the window, table spread its splendor. Someone standing by the open door. I can see the crystal river. Oh, I must be near forever. And I've never been this homesick before. Oh, see the bright light shine. It's just about a whole And I can see my father standing at the door This world's been a wilderness And I'm waiting for deliverance Lord, I've never been this homesick before I can see the family gathered Sweet faces all familiar No one's old or feeble anymore Oh, my lonesome heart is crying Think I'll spread my wings for flying Lord, I've never been this homesick before Sing it now We'll see the bright light shine It's just about a whole time I can see my father standing at the door This world's been a wilderness And I'm waiting for deliverance Lord, I've never been this homesick Sing that second verse again. I can see the family gather, sweet faces all familiar. No one's old or feeble anymore. Oh, my lonesome heart is crying. Think I'll spread my wings for flying. Lord, I've never been this homesick before. We'll see the bright light shine. It's just about a whole time. I can see my father standing at the door. This world's been wilderness, and I wait for the Lord, I've never been this homesick before. And this world's been a wilderness, ready for deliverance. Oh, Lord, I've never been this homesick before. 
Hallelujah. So homesick for that land, friends. Amen. Heard about it, longed for it, and one day we're going to see it. Amen. We're going to see Him face to face. Amen. As your pastor comes this morning, let's sing this song together, 10,000 Reasons. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like the It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Sing like this. 
Before we have a word of prayer, I want to read you this testimony here. They told us that our father, Ron Spencer, had only four months to live. We are well past four months, and every day we consider it a gift from God. Nothing is impossible to God. This past week, Brother Ron had scans and MRI of the brain and so forth. And yesterday, the doctor's report was that they agreed there was no more new lesions there. The specialists uh, who are oncologists and neurologists agreed on the findings, but they will wait on, uh, they're still waiting on a couple of other uh, incidental reports. They were very pleased. There's nothing new in the abdomen, liver, pelvis, lungs, or brain. This is our God. He's doing great things. The doctor said the tumors in the lungs look like scar tissue now. They have agreed to drop the steroids uh, to a certain uh, better level. They have upped the immunotherapy chemo drugs uh, to make sure that there is no more growth. So that helps him to defend his body against the regrowth of tumors. And we know that our God is doing the work since his labs are improving. He'll go back in a month to see the oncologist and have uh, tests done again. Then he will be seen in another three months after that. Uh, while Brother Ron is, was uh, doing this MRI as well this week, Sister Connie received word from the Pfizer Corporation that he was able, they were able to receive the grant to pay for the medications. Now, just to give you an idea or put that in perspective, that grant allows him to receive medications at a cost of $16,000 a month. That's the cost of the medications. Many people die of this condition because they can't afford the medications when the grants run out. That's the reason they die. So many people, are that's, that's a high rate of death uh, in, in that kind of cancer because once the grants run out, that's it. Most people can, cannot afford to, to deal with that. And so they were praying and asking folks to pray that they would receive that grant, and it's come through. We're thankful for that. Let me tell you, that is somebody, that is somebody who has a cause to rejoice, and that is, uh, that is something that the family is very, very thankful for, uh, the support that's been given around the world for, uh, for Brother Ron. So I think that's a good cause for rejoicing for us as well. I'd like to sing that little chorus again, if you don't mind. Uh, bless the Lord of my soul, and uh, let's just go to him in prayer today. If you have a need, uh, hold it there, and, and we'll, uh, we'll attach that to our uh, group prayer this morning and what Brother Ben already prayed, and uh, we'll just bring all of that before his throne this morning. How many of you have a need today? that you'd like? To, if you had a moment with God, you'd like to give something to him? Let's sing it again. Bless the Lord of my soul. 
Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. O oh my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. Once again. Yes, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, O oh my soul, I'll worship holy name. Heavenly Father, we are thankful this morning that we have a God who hears and answers prayer. Your prophet taught us in this last day that prayer changes things. And so we are encouraged today as we come before you, Lord. Almost every hand was raised in this building today. And Lord, for those that are not here today and listening, I know that their needs are great as well. We bind our faith together now. We bind these answers to prayer. We, we take every need, Lord, we bring it to you, and we ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would be strong on behalf of your people. That, Lord, you would minister grace and strength and healing and peace and mercy, Lord, to each one. We are undeserving of your great grace, but Lord, you promised to provide. You promised if we cast our cares upon you, that Lord, you would indeed care for us. So in the name of Jesus Christ today, we just commend our ways to you, Lord. We, we ask that you would just come among us and speak to us, Lord. Break the bread of life in our, in our cups today. And Lord, may you just give us the strength and encouragement we need to move forward. Lord, we think of Sister Erica Reagan today, and, and, and Lord, we hold her up before you in prayer. And Lord, we, we hear the great testimony of Brother Ron and just that perseverance, that dedication, that attentiveness to prayer. And Lord, we believe that you're, you're able to do, Lord, exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And so we commit Sister Erica, we commit Brother Donnie, and his assembly, and the many, Lord, that are suffering and struggling today. We commit them to you, Lord, and ask your blessing upon each one. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And all the saints said, Amen. You may be seated this morning for a moment. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, musicians, and thank you, Brother Jaron, for, uh, for helping uh, today and setting such a nice atmosphere. And it's just such a wonderful uh, atmosphere to come into to, to minister. We want to remember Sister Rachel. Uh, coffee today it was a uh, home I assume and uh, she's home right today and uh, recovering we're thankful for uh, the good reports she received after her procedure and we just pray now that the Lord will bind up her wounds we also too have lots of kids and teachers who are going back to school uh, this week right all the moms said amen and uh, most of the moms said amen. So we are uh, praying for you as well and just trust that the Lord will bless you. And maybe we could have a word of prayer for all of our returning students uh, at the end of service today. Uh, we also, too, are excited. The Bible Way Academy Online is uh, starting next week. And uh, I get to speak to the teachers on Monday, uh, tomorrow, 
before they go back. And uh, we're thankful for Brother Michael Ray. You remember Brother Michael, who is Brother Biskel's grandson, who was here during the men's meeting. And um, came and ministered for us after that. And Brother Michael and Sister Jenny Leonard did a tremendous job in uh, launching the school and getting things going. And there's some that are here uh, that are part of that. Sister Becky's one of the main instructors uh, in teaching there. And they kind of made me the chaplain uh, of that. And not really, but uh, they asked me to speak to the, to the teachers, and uh, we'll be doing that tomorrow, Lord willing. And uh, we pray that for all of you that are returning to school uh, with all the uh, joys and risks associated with it, we trust that the Lord will uh, protect you and especially our teachers as well who have to uh, deal with that on a, on a long-term basis. So, uh, we also, too, have a couple of birthdays that we want to share with you. And uh, August 18th is Ellicate Jackson's birthday. Ellicate. How old are you going to be? 13, really. Another teenager. And uh, God bless you, Ellicate. And then the Buchanans have an anniversary. How many years? 25 years, really? Wonderful. Wonderful. That's a real milestone. God bless you both. We appreciate you both and uh, your family, and may the Lord bless you on that day. Uh, August 21st is Sister Kristen's uh, birthday. God bless you, Sister Kristen. And also August 22nd is Sister Lisa Pascal's birthday up in West Virginia and listening today. Uh, I wanted to just share these couple of pictures with you here. This is a little note that was sent to me. Sorry for the washed-out image here. I don't know why that is. But these are the believers in the Mulenga village uh, in a uh, district in Zambia. This is in the uh, – Zambia is known for its copper mining, and uh, they have huge mines there. It's one of the world's resources for copper. And this is in that mining uh, area, and there's, there's a lot of people there, believers there, who speak in the Bemba language. Um, I've been focusing, showing you pictures about this because uh, it's now that these books are trickling there and the ministers who are bringing them are now trickling pictures back to me. So it takes a while for all of this process to happen. Uh, But they wanted to say, they they sent a note to you and they wanted to say thank you for the uh, books that they are receiving and they're very delighted. And again, for many, many of these people uh, this is uh, maybe outside of their Bible. This is the only book that they own, maybe some school textbooks. But if you go into their houses, that's one of the things you really notice is that they don't have uh, access to materials like this. So for these believers to have their own books uh, is really a, a great blessing. And so we're thankful to be a part of that and thankful to uh, have opportunities to be able to do that for those people. Um, So, we're going to have you stand to your feet, if you don't mind, for one more reading of the Scripture, just in respect to God's Word, and we'd like to read in John chapter 16. John, the 16th chapter. Good to have Brother Johnny's brother here. Ron, is it? Phil? Dale? Dale? I figured if I had enough time, I'd get eventually to to that. Dale, good to have you today. Dale Reynolds, and uh, honored that you're able to be with us. And may the Lord richly bless you. 
<laughs> We've taken this subject for a little bit here, and I wanted to take a different approach to it today. The press around us. In John chapter 16 and verse 33, we read at the end of Jesus' discourse to the disciples here about this turn, this change now. There's, there's going to be a, a change in his, uh, in his presence among them. He talks about the resurrection. He talks about how he would depart. He's trying to explain to them how it's going to be in the new communion that they have. In verse 12, he says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, and he will speak, he will speak of himself. He, sorry, he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So there's a, there's a maturity that believers have that God develops before he reveals more. And this is what Jesus is saying, that I'm not, it, it's not the pattern of God to tell you everything in advance, but rather to tell it to you as you develop and mature and grow and you understand because things come together progressively. Then he says in verse 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In me you might have peace. In the world, you shall not have peace. You shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. But in me, you might have peace. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. There's some things that we talk about in sermons and in ministry in order to increase them. There are things we talk about like faith. The more we talk about faith, the intent is to increase it, to make it bigger, to make it more a part of your life. When it comes to things like stewardship, we want to become better at that. When it comes to parenting, we want to become better at that. When it comes to doctrine, we want to know more of that. We want to have a more accurate, more clear picture of things that are prophesied and things that are declared. We want to have a greater understanding of the mind of God. And we talk about things many times in a way that we want them to grow. We want them to be around. There's other things we talk about that... The whole purpose is to see it healed and to see it resolved and hopefully to see it dissolved so that we don't have to deal with it. We don't have to worry about it. For instance, it would be nice if we could talk about maybe take a sermon or two on the subject of fear, deal with it, and you know what? Hey, it's all behind us. We don't have to worry about it anymore. But we talk about some things like that because we we really do want to uh, you know, we want to maybe come to a better understanding of something and uh, see it stop in our lives, see it stop. And as much as we try to do that, there are some things that just kind of have a, 
have a lingering effect in the world. And so today I wanted to take a little illustration from Pilgrim's Progress. I love the, I, I love the, the writing of Pilgrim's Progress, and I love the story. I don't like what Hollywood's done to it, but I, I, I like the story of it. And early in the, in the, in the passage, in, in the experience of Pilgrim, as he's going along, he's still got the weight of sin on his back, and he falls into a, a muddy place. It's a dark and muddy and sticky place, and he falls in that with another traveler who's not named. But they're both in the mud and are kind of floundering around and they're, uh, they're unable to get out of that slough easily at all. And the slough is called despond. And uh, they're trying to figure out a way to get out and, and, and Pilgrim has got this weight on his back so he just finds it extra difficult because he's got that weight of sin on his back and he just cannot seem to struggle out of that, out of that mud at all. And, and the other guy who's with him, he eventually does. He, he, he eventually works his way around it and, and gets out of the, the, the slough and, and stands on his feet and a little bit separate there. And, and uh, to, to Pilgrim's dismay, this fellow just walks away and leaves. He doesn't help Pilgrim at all, but leaves him there. And so finally, another character comes along in the, in the, in the story, in the telling of the story. And his name is Help. And he's a type of the Holy Spirit. His name is Help. And he reaches over and takes uh, Pilgrim by the hand and helps him out. And he gets up on top of the, the solid ground there. And things are good for the moment. They're cleaning themselves off. And finally, Pilgrim looks over to Help and he says, Hey, uh, isn't there some way that we can mend this path, this place so that uh, you know, people don't have to fall into it anymore. Is, isn't, there, isn't there some way that we can, uh, you know, try to cover this up and so no one else will have this experience of falling into it anymore? Or that it would be mended is the word that's used in the story. And help looks over at Pilgrim and he replies to him. He said, this miry slough is such a place as cannot be mended. There are times when we speak about things in ministry that we want them to increase. There are things that we talk about, it would be nice if they were resolved and dissolved and go away. But there's some things, I think, as a part of our human experience that are never going to be completely eradicated. They're never going to go away completely. They're going to be never mended, if you like. And I refer to that in, in terms of talking about this subject here today, that we had to remind ourselves continually that we have, we have a promise that's given to us in John chapter 16 where he's, he's warning the disciples in advance of something that they more than likely did not understand at all. They did not understand what he was talking about, that I'm going to go away, but I'm going to be with you. But I'm not going to be with you in the normal way. I'm going to be in you. And there's going to be this other character come who's going to be the teacher, the comforter, the advocate. He's going to be an inside teacher. Now you can imagine now on the, on the, on the, on the beginning, on the other side of the day of Pentecost, they had no idea really what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit had no idea really what it was. And they're trying to mentally comprehend that. But he says in the end of it, listen, let me just say this. The bottom line is that in me you shall have peace. 
In other words, don't worry about all of this. And don't worry about things that you don't really understand. Don't worry about things that are upcoming in the future that, that, that you'll be faced with. The, the different kinds of situations that you fall into like Pilgrim did. Don't worry about that. Don't worry. In me, you'll have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. What a truer, uh, there's probably not a truer statement ever made uh, than that fact, that in this world we will have tribulation. It's a fitting statement for us now, and it's a fitting promise for us now, that in him we have peace. Let me just start by saying this, that peace is not the absence of things. We often think that if there's no war, then there is peace. Well, a lot of people in a lot of countries are still troubled, even if they're not at war. Peace is not the absence of something. Peace is a person. The person of the Prince of Peace. And that's the only way that somebody or a people can ever really achieve peace is when they know Christ. And there's really no other peace outside of that. Now, Brother Bannon makes this statement in 1962. He says, now there is times and things that happen that changes the whole course of our life. We know that. We're all aware. My goodness. If there's ever a statement that fits in our time, it would be this one. Certain things take place along life's journey that changes the whole course of life for us. How many can say amen? Now, this can take a lot of different forms. Obviously, it can take the form of maybe a sickness or a tragedy or a change like we are experiencing in our world today. There are certain things that take place along that journey, and nothing ever seems to be the same ever after that. There are times when it can be a death in the family. Or I I know some people who have experienced the loss of a job, and it was something that they never expected. It was sprung on them. It may be a change in management, something that had nothing to do with them or their performance at all. But they were affected by that change. And so as a result, everything about their life now became different. And we have to go through then a series of adjustments and a series of changes and a series of alterations in our, in our life and in our thinking that we never expected before. That happens. Moses at the burning bush is the example that Brother Branham uses here when Moses is going along and he's had, you know, extraordinary events already happen in his life. But there was nothing like this experience of meeting God in the burning bush. And now it commissioned him to go and to do the work that he was really raised up to do. He was not raised up to look after his father-in-law's sheep, right? Moses was not raised up uh, to be a son of Pharaoh. He was not raised up uh, to just float around in a basket all of his life. He was not raised up for that. He was raised up to deliver the children of Israel in the first exodus and take them out from where they were back into the promised land again. That was the reason that God had raised Moses up. But he had experiences along the way, but finally he meets this burning bush, and this is the one that really changes his life, and is never, ever the same again. Right? And so there are experiences that we all have that are like that. Now, I, I need you to keep this promise in mind. I love this statement here. It's be not afraid. It is I, 1960. Brother Branham says he climbs so high into glory until he, Jesus, he sets on the Father's throne, looks down, and not even a sparrow can fall without him knowing it. He knows how sick you are. He knows your doubts. He knows your frustrations. Frustrations is frustrations. We're in a terrible storm, but don't be scared. There's somebody watching. 
We're in a terrible storm, but don't be scared. There's somebody watching. A woman watching, sorry, a woman touching the hem of his garment. He turned and told her the blood issue had stopped. And the one who perceived the thoughts of the mind, he hasn't laid down in a grave so he can't see you. But he's climbed in the glory and he can even see the sparrow that falls in the street. Jesus is not laying down somewhere so that he can't see you because of the angle of his bed. He is rather continually watching over his people. As a matter of fact, he said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. So he's well aware of what you're going through. And he's well aware of the terrible storm that rages around us. And I trust today that you've come here today needing a word that encourages you in the times that we're living in that somebody's watching this storm as well, as well as you are and as well as we all are. And we're, we're, we're observers of it and we are uh, unfortunately uh, affected by all of it. But there's somebody else that's watching over this storm and I'm confident that he has a way out for the people of God. He has relief for us through all of this and, and there are brighter days ahead for the people of God. Do you believe that? All right, now let, let's just, I want to develop this just for a little bit and see where it takes us here today. In Psalm 44, David said, Yea, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And awake thou, why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise and cast us not off forever. There are times we go through when we feel like God has either cast us off or he's left us. He's a distant voice away from us and we don't know where he is because he's not doing what we want him to do. And wherefore hidest thou thy face and forgettest our affliction and our oppression. The word oppression, it is a feeling of hopelessness. And David is just expressing that from his heart. Wherefore, hidest thou thy face and forgettest our affliction and our oppression. There is none of us that are immune from that. There are none of us that are above this. This is not a question of personality. This is not a a question of uh, mind over matter. If I think hard enough or if I read enough uh, books about positive thinking, then I'm going to overcome this. Every one of us are susceptible to this feeling of oppression or affliction. And it's easier now in a time like we're living in because there are so many things for us to think about or so many things for us to juggle in the time we're living in, right? There's a, not only the, uh, you know, the, the, the nervousness that we have, uh, you know, about sickness and so forth. And then there's, you know, the uh, looming economy and how that uh, everyone's expecting that there will be darker changes and darker times uh, that lay ahead of us. But there's also this uncertainty within the country that when we lose the leadership, uh, you know, that, that we would desire to have, there's an uncertainty about that, right? You know, when, when I, I, I feel... Uh, you know, you feel for a church when its pastor, you know, is, is sick or down. And, uh, you know, there's, um, there's, there's a slowdown in an assembly. There's, and, and I'm not saying that in a critical way. I'm just saying that the sheep, they begin to get unsettled. They get a nervous feeling because, you know what, the leader we're used to seeing there is not there anymore. At least temporarily, he's not there. And there's a feeling of uncertainty about that. And, you know, what do we do and what's going to happen? And I, I think you can relate very easily. And David is just simply voicing this and he's saying that, uh, Lord, don't forget our affliction and don't forget our, the feelings that we have of hopelessness and despondency and this feeling of weakness that's associated with it. 
I haven't, I, in, in, in a long, long time, I haven't seen so many people who've wanted to talk about this feeling of weakness that they've, they've, they're experiencing and this feeling of despondency that they have. And, and a lot of it is, you know, there's a, uh, there, there's a, a sense within every one of us as the people of God that we want to be two things. We want to be right. We want to be ready. Right? For, for believers, we want to be right. We want to be ready. And, and we're always, we're always kind of testing the waters and we, we're, we go back to the Word of God. We're trained to do that. Uh, that's, that's what the Scripture tells us to do, to go back to the Word of God, to find reasons uh, for why things are the way they are. But we also want to judge ourselves. We want to try ourselves. We want to test ourselves and, and see, make sure that there's nothing that we are doing that violates God's Word. That's for sure. But we want to be ready, too. We want to be prepared, and we want to be aware, in tune, and in season, and in touch with God, in touch with the one who's able to change our body. We, we want to be in touch with Him. So we want to be right, and we want to be ready. And then you have an enemy that comes along and tells us all kinds of other contrary things that uh, make, make things more complicated and difficult for us. They give us a sense of despondency, because sometimes, you know, it, the, the enemy will whisper, even sometimes just a word or two, and it'll just take the wind out of your sails. You ever had, you, you ever, you ever, huh, you ever develop a theory, you ever, you know, work on something, study something, and, uh, yeah. All right, I might as well give you the example that I'm thinking about because it'll make more sense than me beating around the bush. <clears throat> in my in my eternal effort to try to uh, lose 20 pounds, just for my own sense of longevity, because I want to live longer than my wife. I think I've told you that before. If I had my prefers, I'd prefer she'd die first. Some of you are looking at me saying, now, did he really say that? Yes, he did. Because I would... (laughs) But Jeff, let me explain this. All right, you just relax over there. I would... In In my years of watching people experience death in the family, as a believer, I would rather have her go first... If one of us has to go, I, if, and I, 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 my prayer is that we go together. And we go without the funeral home. But if one of us has to go, I would prefer that she went first. So she would not have to deal with the aftermath of losing a loved one that we have become so dependent on. We become dependent on one another. And, and you know, we... You, you think about, you know, how, how different life would be when you lose a spouse that you've had for 35, 36 years. And, uh, you know, just all the aftermath and all the adjustments and everything else. I watch my mom go through it. I watch, you know, several other uh, folks go through it. I watch Sister Shirley go through it. And, you know, different ones that are part of our assembly here and uh, go through loss like that. And, and whether it's sudden or whether it's a progressive thing, it's still a difficult thing. Now, uh, i got to get back from here now. But in my eternal struggle to make sure that myself, you know, uh, try to stay as healthy as I possibly can, I, I, I did a bunch of research. I was listening. I made some life changes that were good and, uh, you know, tried to, tried to uh, get things out that were not profitable, bring things in that were profitable, and had it all set up and working on it. And uh, wasn't really getting the results that I was after, so I consulted an expert. 
And I, 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 in this appointment with the expert, I was, I was describing what I was doing. Now, this expert uh, must have been a very busy person because they never let me finish a sentence. And when you never finish a sentence, you never really feel like you get out what you want them to know about you so they can make a decision or give you advice or counsel. Ever have that happen to you? I called up my doctor after this. I have a fantastic doctor. He's really a great guy. Lucas's doctor as well. Great guy. And uh, I, I told him, I said, hey, I, appreci- I just wanted to say I appreciate you because you're a great listener. You don't interrupt me. And uh, he says, well, I try. He says, there's lots of times I'd like to, but appreciate your honesty, too. But anyway, this, this expert on nutrition and so forth, you know, a professional. And, and I, I said, uh, you know, I was, I was trying to explain this and trying to explain something else. And as I wanted to get the picture so that I could, you know, maybe adjust or tweak things a little bit more so we could, you know, be better off. And in the end of it, all of the efforts that I was building up and doing in my life, she just made one comment to me. Well, you don't really need to do that. You can do this. And uh, now it's all, well, I mean, is this stupid to be doing this now? I mean, in a sense, it, it kind of takes the wind out of my sails. I said all of that to say this. That there are times when, you know, you can feel like you're moving along and doing well and you feel like you're on top of, uh, top of things and all of a sudden Satan will come along and just remind you of something or he can cause some incident to happen and, and, and it, will just, it will just take away that feeling of momentum that you have. It, it, isn't, it isn't that you're any less of a person or better person than what you were. It's just that you have the feeling that you're not. And this is what David is hitting at here. The affliction and the oppression that we feel. Our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly cleaveth to the earth. Arise for our help. Arise for our help and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. He said we feel like we're dragging along on the ground here. We, 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 we feel that low. We feel that, uh, you know, our, our belly cleaveth to the earth. You can, you can see the picture that David is trying to paint here. And it is that feeling of weakness. It's that feeling of despondency. And there are none of us that are above it. That's directly from the definition here. David said, though, in Psalm 119, he said, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Isn't it true that there are times you go through valleys and you go through difficult experiences and it tends to turn you back to the Word of God? It turns you back to God. It sometimes will correct something in your life that was lacking. Or maybe there's something you got away from that now this experience of affliction that you went through, it now drives you back to God. And you're more sincere now than you were before that affliction struck. So that's God using those things for good to them that are the called. It's God's way of bringing it back into a, into a, a, a rightness again when it gets out of balance. And this is exactly what, what the intent is. Because God does not intend you to be sick. God made you in his likeness and he wants you to be well. He's done everything he can to keep you well, but Satan's against you. Satan is there to take the wind out of your sails. Let me go quickly here at the beginning of this so we can get to something a little bit more that I feel to talk about. In questions and answers now, uh, Paul writes, he said, Now there's a law of sin and death that works in your flesh, but the law of the spirit of life works in your heart. 
So your heart, your spirit in your heart will make your body obey what it says to do. There are certain laws that work, uh, that, are, that are principles that God's given to us. The bottom quote here talks about the resurrection. There's a law in Christ, and that law is in men. Bury him in the deepest grave, the deepest sea, and the lowest hell. But there's a law, the Spirit of God, that will raise him up again. And there are certain things that, uh, you know, cause you to reap what you sow. Uh, you can sow good things and you will reap good things as well uh, in your life. And so there are certain laws that operate. And we try, as I said before, we want to be right and we want to be ready. Uh, there are some things that we observe, we learn, and we, we discover about the laws of God and they work. Uh, and, and as a result of that, we expect that things should kind of tick along like clockwork. But unfortunately... Because of the enemy that we have, it doesn't always work that way. Not that good, the laws of God are not perfect and not that they do not work. It's just that sometimes life will throw things at us that we don't always expect. How many would agree? <clears throat> but now, Brother Branham describes to us and says the first thing that you have to do before you find a cure, you've got to find a cause. A good doctor will diagnose the case that finds a trouble and start working from there. That's the same thing we have to do here. If there's an evil spirit, if there's unconfessed sin, or if there's some, uh, some out of the will of God, you could anoint them all night long and cry and do all you wish to, but that demon will stay right there. He has a right to. So there's some things that we have to do. Uh, we have to look at first. We have to examine ourselves. We have to introspect. And we have to examine and let the Holy Spirit uh, comb through our life a little bit. Sometimes we have to do that in prayer. Sometimes we just have to do that in quietness. Sometimes people will avoid the quietness of, of, of those experiences. They will avoid being alone. They'll, invo- they'll avoid uh, being in a place where there's no phone or Internet connection because they can't handle being alone and having the Holy Spirit deal with their heart. Sometimes, sometimes your phone is an asset. Other times it's a distraction from the right person. The, the Holy Spirit sometimes does want to speak to us, and I have not found yet where he's gotten through with a text. And so we, we will sometimes avoid those quiet times. And I find in the Bible a lot of places where it says that we should, we should pray, and we should sing, and we should meditate, and we should rejoice. And much of that is done without any other help. Without any other person around, it's good for us to do that. But isn't it true it's easy to fall into a habit of being alone with a device? I mean, that's just kind of the world that we live in. doesn't necessarily make it right, but that is the world that we live in. I don't mean to make you feel bad, just mean to make you think. Now, let me just give you a couple of uh, causes. And like Brother Branham said here, that in order to really find cures for anything, we need to find causes for it first. There are seasons that all of us go through, like sickness or menopause, tragedy, aging, uh, that, uh, that are kind of a natural part of the cycle of life. Brother Branham says when you're nervous, he said you've had nervousness. Well, you're nervous. You've had nervousness for a long time, somebody in the prayer line. And really one thing that's changed is menopause that's got you all upset, and you get real gloomy spells. Everybody's saying get next to yourself. Snap out of it. But you can't. Anyone who's been through a time of nervousness would love to snap out of it or snap somebody's neck, but they would love to snap out of it. There's something scaring you. It's gone now. It'll stay gone. Go and believe in your heart. Or 
this one, this lady is suffering with a lady's trouble. It's a female condition. If that's right, lady, take your hand off mine and raise it up to the Lord. You have a weakness of a female trouble. You're having a gloomy feeling also, which is caused by that. So there's a physical cause, and then there's an emotional response to that, that she feels. You can see how the devil gets in there and kicks you when you're down. He adds, he compounds the problem. And you've got lots of things that you think is wrong with you, but the main thing comes back to just your age and time. That's the truth. Now, when we talk about our age and time, you know, if we're talking about the times we live in, uh, my goodness, you know, there, you've got to have a, you've got to have a revelation in order to get out of bed with any sense of expectation, uh, today in the world that we live in. Uh, you've got to have a revelation that, you know what, hey, uh, if, if, and this is the way I look at it personally, I'm just sharing you what's on my heart today. That the way I look at it is that, uh, if, if, as I said to you at the very beginning, that if this is of God, God's got a Goshen for every one of us. You know, in other words, we, we, can, we can be uh, surrounded by this. We can be affected by things that happen in the world. But God's got a place for the bride. And the bride will eventually leave this earth without going down with the world. All right? If we are in this place, and this is, this is simply a, a, you know, a pestilence that the Bible speaks about, and the Bible speaks about it in 42 uh, different places. There's no such word as pandemic in the Bible, but pestilences and plagues is the word that is used there 42 different times. Every time it's associated with judgment. Every single time it's associated with judgment in the Bible. And let me tell you that no matter what you go through, no matter what you experience, there always is a promise or an avenue of healing for God's people. Because it's by his stripes we are healed. Remember, God heals by a number of different avenues, but there's always a healing outlet for the people of God. How many believe that? And that healing extends to more than just the natural body that we experience uh, sickness and disease in. We can go through mental struggles. We can go through spiritual battles. We can go through uh, different, different things in life. And it's all designed to drag you down. But let me tell you, our God's a healer. And I believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Say it with me. Our God's a healer. Say it. Our God's a healer. And he's the same. His power hasn't diminished at all. And he's not, Brother Bram said he's not lying on a bed so that he can't see your trouble. But he's able to see all the way from glory because heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. And we know that he sees even the sparrows that fall to the ground. So he sees the trouble that you're going through. And he sees the sickness that you experience. And he understands all about it. He may not always move or respond according to your time frame. And he may not always bring remedies the way that we want him to bring it. But I will tell you something. I'm, to me, I'm comforted by the fact that he sees what we're going through. And he knows exactly what it feels like. Because he's able to be touched by the feeling of his infirmities. Uh, of your infirmities. And I will tell you this. That also, in, in the same vein, that we know that he's a high priest. And he's waiting to be called upon to enter into your struggle. And to help assist you in a time of need. Brother Branham said the only reason that he doesn't come sometimes. Is because we don't approach him with the faith to call him on the scene. But we have to believe that that promise is still true today and he says the main thing that you experience is your age and time i'll tell you something there's none of us can be blamed for growing older there's none of us can be blamed for the times we live in but we become affected by that we also become affected by our our 
the, the duration of the struggle that we go through. There are, there are things that we experience that, uh, you know, over time they wear you down. They, they, uh, they have an effect on you over a, a long period of time. I mean, we all, in our, in, uh, at least I think I'm thinking, speaking for most of you, that when this virus struck in the beginning of the year, we assumed, based on some of the reports that we had, that it was going to be around for a while. It would kind of go away for the summer and we might see it arise again in the fall. And guess what? It didn't happen that way. Everyone but the virus seemed to be watching CNN or Fox News or whatever else. But the virus never got the memo. So therefore, it kind of still is around and it, it's affected us. And it isn't just that. It, it's it's the, the awareness. And, and now you hear lots of people talking about end times. You hear lots of people talking about Bible prophecy. And you hear lots of people talking about, you know, could this be this and could this be that? I'm here to tell you that, you know, it's not news to us that we're living in the end of the world. We were convinced of that long before January. I'm here simply today to remind you that the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and he saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. And many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. The Lord delivers out of them all. There is none of us that are immune from troubles. God has not promised to excuse us from all sickness, but it is written that his strength is sufficient. And he will never put so much on you, but what he will give us grace to bear. So we have that consolation of knowing. We have that consolation of knowing and never forgetting that he will never put too much on you that you cannot bear the load that he's placed there. The second thing that we experience very often besides the age and time that we live in are the spiritual causes and the spiritual pressures that exist in our world, and they are increased. I was reading where Brother Branham said, uh, he, was, he was saying, talking about his childhood, and he said, fathers, you know, and pastors, he said, we, uh, and, and it was a very personal uh, comment that Brother Branham made to the people there, and he was talking about how that our young men, he said, have ten times the amount of temptation that we had when we were young fellows. And there were a lot of things he said that we were tempted to do, and there were a lot of it was innocent, kind of fun type things. He said, but now the pressures and the, tempt- the load of temptation is ten times heavier than what it was. And he said for girls, he said it's also uh, increased tenfold as well for young girls today. He said, look at the images that Hollywood constantly throws up in front of our young people. And he said they're raised on that. He said, and, and as he said, knowing that it's worse... He said, yes, yet the irony is we pray less. And he was talking about his own, uh, as, uh, his own place as a pastor. And he said, he said, many times I failed, he said, in listening to people and saying, well, you should get a bigger tent or a bigger ministry or a bigger administration or raise more money and different things, you know, and they were trying to pull him in different directions. And he said, that's foolish. He said, I know the will of God. The will of God is written in the Bible. And he was asking the people to forgive him because as a pastor, he said, I know I should be following that even more and more astute in terms of praying. And he said, if that's true for us as ministers, he said, how much more true is it for us as parents? Because we know our children are under a greater weight of temptation than they ever have been. And let me say this also, that now you find that, that, that children are more tempted at a younger age than ever before. 
there was a time when you had kind of an insulation from a lot of that stuff. I was coming down, uh, I, I don't know if it was Wednesday or I was driving in the, the in my truck, and I was just listening to the radio, and they were talking. It was at the end of a program, and I was just waiting for the news to start, you know, something to brighten your day. And there was a, a person uh, who was on there, and they were describing how this person went to uh, schools and talked to young children. And they were, uh, it, it, I hate even to bring it up, but it was, a, uh, you know, like a, a transgender, non-gender type person. I, I'm not sure how you achieve non-genderhood. And I don't want to dwell on this, but but the the the, the, the interviewer was asking this this person, you know, uh, what you what what do you do? Like what's your work? And 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 she, because I think that's what it was, said, I go to schools, I go to elementary schools, and they played a clip of her talking to the kids and describing how she viewed herself, and how that her body had gotten in the way of what it was that she really wanted to be, and all of this. Now, I mean, that's perverted enough. It's foolish enough. But let me tell you something. The tragedy is who she's speaking to. The tragedy is the audience and the age of the audience. So they're exposing kids at such an early age to this. And that's, that's markedly what's different than what it was in our day, in our, the older time, and even 10, 15 years ago. There was a lot of things that people encountered when they were 16, 17, 18. They got their license. They got the ability to, you know, to go out and have some freedom and do some things. But now it's being brought in-house. Now it's being brought right into the, into the homes, into the schools, into the environments that used to be considered a safe haven. So there's this sense that there's not any more. Uh, of a place where we can, uh, you know, escape the things of this world. I've often credited Lot, and I've used this in sermons before in Genesis 18 and 19, where those angels go down and they visit Sodom to see whether things really are so. And Lot had a front door between himself and the rest of the world. What was going on in Sodom, Lot closed the door, pulled those angels inside, and he had his family inside there. Now his family was not stellar. The situation was not stellar. It was not exactly the way a believer's home would be. But nonetheless, Lot made a statement by having a door that separated him from the rest of the world. And I think today we have to be proactive. We have to be zealous in making sure that we have a barrier between ourselves and this world or this world will will barrel right into your household it'll barrel right into your children's lives it will it's not waiting for uh, politely for an invitation it's going to just assume that it has a, a place to go if you give it an opening at all and that's where we're living today that's what's that's what's taking place so we have spiritual pressures that exist today that have been never seen in other times and I believe that this idea that David spoke about of oppression and, and, and depression and all those things there and the anguish and the, and the weakness that comes from living in the times that we're living in, I think that that is their wholesale as well. I've read a funny, or I, I, it must have been, I heard it one time on the radio. Again, I was waiting for the news to come on. And uh, that's a problem, isn't it? But it was a radio broadcast, and a preacher was saying that he heard one time that the devil was selling his tools. He was going to retire. It was just a funny an illustration. 
And he was going to sell his tools. And he had all these tools stretched out on the table. Anger, depression, lust, pride, envy, strife, war, uh, pestilence. He had it all on the table. It was all marked down because it was all used. And he was going to sell it all off. But he had one tool over sitting by itself, well used. And it was very, very expensive. Had a really high price tag on it. And it was depression. And they asked him, somebody asked him, said, what's this one? Uh, so costly for. He said, because this has been my favorite tool. And he said, this is the one that I've used the most. And if I can't get to somebody with all these other tools, I could always get to people with this one and just make them feel down and out. And he said, it's, it's been so effective that he said, I'm going to sell it at a great cost. The idea was, is that the thing was so expensive the devil didn't really want to part with it, that he never sold it, and he kept it, and he still has to use it today. Brother Branham <clears throat> found problems with people that they were struggling with continually in prayer lines. He, he, he doesn't hold back. He, he lets us know that people had experiences in, in childhood that scared them, perhaps. He had people who came in the prayer line who had fallen down a flight of stairs and injured themselves. You remember the story Brother Bram tells about a man who worked in a factory and it was a gas leak. And the gas leak affected his liver. He was out of work for a long time. And now he was, you know, financially struggling, but he had a fear because he didn't want to go back into the same plant again and, and have that same sickness come again on his body. And... Brother Branham meets that in the prayer line because the situations that we face, Satan loves to do all kinds of things to throw uh, things our way. And Brother Branham is constantly facing situations like that. But I need to, I need to help you understand today that when Brother Branham found people who were in a state like that or maybe a state of mind like that, when Brother Branham found people who were oppressed for one reason or another. He never once, that I know of, he never once ever said to them, shame on you, a Christian, feeling down, discouraged, or depressed. He never said, you're a Christian, you shouldn't feel that way. I never hear him once say that. Matter of fact, I hear him tell a story one time about how that God visited Elijah after Mount Carmel. You remember that? And he went to the juniper tree. Brother Bram said, we all have our juniper trees. He says, as a matter of fact, I'm underneath one right now. He says, trying to make decisions about what needs to be done. Anyway, he said, there was his poor, overworked, overwrought servant, Elijah, who was underneath the tree. And all these angels were lined up around that tree. Anybody remember that story? I've, told, I've quoted it for you exactly, and I just thought it, it just comes to mind here. And Brother Branham said that, you know, when, when God looked at that scene and saw his tired servant, he didn't go to him and say, Elijah, stand on your feet. You're a prophet after all. My goodness, what if somebody sees you? You're my main man on the earth here. Why don't you get up and get your act together and snap out of it and let's get back to work here, condemning Jezebel and everybody else. God didn't say that to Elijah. One of those behind-the-scenes little stories Brother Branham tells is that he looks at all the angels and he says, all right, I want everybody to hold your hands out like this. And all the angels hold their hands out. And Brother Bram said that God walked down and found the angel with the softest hands. And when he found him, he said, you're the one to minister to my servant Elijah. 
and then baked those biscuits and cookies and brought them over to Elijah and laid them at the feet of Elijah there. And when he woke up, he ate from the food that was prepared for him. But he didn't take a harsh approach. He didn't take a, uh, you know, a, a disciplinary approach to Elijah because he was going through that. But rather he took this approach of compassion. He took one of showing mercy. Because this was not something that Elijah had done because he had done something wrong. At least we don't know of any sin in his life or anything like that. But even though there's still the feeling today in our world and even in the message world that if you go through certain problems or if you catch the virus, then there must be sin in your life. I heard of a fellow early on who made a statement in a pulpit in Texas that if you were bride, you wouldn't catch the virus. The problem was is that man who was standing in the pulpit who was a preacher, considered himself a preacher, was married three times. And the problem is he shouldn't have been in the pulpit in the first place. That's the first problem. <clears throat> Let me tell you, that's not true. That's not true. We are people that are subject to all the things that, that happen in this world here. And let me tell you something. I believe this. That we, have, we have a God who watches over us and knows what we go through. And he still is a healer today the same as he ever was. I believe that he's one who never forsakes us nor leaves us. I don't believe that this virus is too great for him. It's too difficult for him. And I think rather than try to judge people and try to figure things out, I think the very best thing you can do is pray for them. Bring their name continually before God and hold them up in prayer because when somebody goes through that based on circumstances, it can be pretty rough. And I will tell you something, that whenever somebody in an assembly or somebody in a church is going through a difficult time, I think, it's a, I think it's, it is the first line of defense for we as people, rather than try to, uh, you know, just make assumptions, I think we should rather make intercession for that person. Are we okay? So let's talk a little bit about the remedy for this state of mind, or the remedy for this, uh, you know, like the, the age and time that we go through. There are some things that we cannot change. We cannot change governments, and we cannot change the times. We cannot change the age you were chosen to live in either. We can't go back to God and say, look, uh, this is a bit much. If you don't mind, can I go back 50 years and, and live back there? I would have liked to have been, you know, just my greatest struggle would have been trying to find a seat in Branham Tabernacle. Um, you can't change a lot of things that are happening around you. So you have to step back and say, someone decided I'm going to be here now. And if someone bigger than me decided that, and it wasn't my parents, then somehow or another God must have put in place for me resources that I can draw from that will help me to be successful and be an overcomer in this time and to make it through the time that I'm living in. Because God would not defeat his purpose and put me here to be defeated by the times. But I believe rather he put me here with the resources to overcome the times. In Isaiah 26 and 3 it says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Now, 
In the results of a decision in 1955, Brother Branham says in giving our testimony, he's at the beginning of a, a meeting here, I think it's out in Arizona, and he's, telling, he's had to tell others, persuade them to come and believe on him and be saved, and knowing this is just the beginning, the earnest of our salvation, and someday these old vile bodies will be changed. One day it will be above temptation. And we live in thy presence as thy children, and we thank thee for these great things. There will come a time when we will be above temptation. We'll be above the uh, distractions of this world. That is true. Because I believe that, and let me just throw this in here, that prayerlessness, in a sense, is a real risk today. Prayerlessness is a risk. Because prayerlessness, in a sense, creates a scenario that sometimes causes us to be in struggles that we were never meant to be in. Jesus said in Matthew 26, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So watch what he's actually telling us here. That when you watch and pray, you have a better defense against temptation than if you don't. Busyness takes away our opportunities to pray very often. And you've got to struggle. You've got to push. You've got to, you've got to be aggressive in terms of uh, finding times to do this. But, but this is what Jesus is telling us here, that we, if we don't want to enter into struggles that we really are not meant to be in, there is a remedy for that. And the remedy is to watch and to pray because there are many battles that are brought on simply by prayerlessness that you are not really meant to fight. You're not really meant to be a part of. So therefore, Paul's remedy, and it's very practical, is to pray without intermission. That's what the Greek word means there. We don't take an intermission from praying. It's an ongoing thing. It's not always a thing that happens in church. It's not always just a thing that happens before you eat. It's not always a thing that you do just before you tuck your kids in bed. It's, a, it's, a, it's an attitude of intimacy that God wants us to be able to cultivate so that we can continually uh, do this and, and to be able to have that kind of a relationship with him. Now, uh, let, me, let me just very quickly, because I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to be conscious of my time here. In 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter tells us, first of all, don't think it's strange that things happen to you because things happen to all of God's people. How many can say amen? It doesn't matter whether you're on top of the spiritual pyramid or you're, you're always seem to be sweeping the floor. It doesn't really matter. Every one of us go through trials and every one of us go through strange things that, that concern us. And all of it is used so that God builds character and God tests us and God strengthens us in one way or another. But don't think it's strange that it's happened to you or think somehow that maybe I'm not a believer because certain things have gone on or I've lost my job or my health is breaking down or whatever else. Here's what Brother Branham taught us to do and hear ye him. He says you have to talk to God. And when Moses took off his shoes and walked up to the burning bush, he sat down and he talked to it. Just talk to God like that one time and lay your problem out before him in the face of his word. When we pray... And I've shown you this screen before. It means to judge and to reconcile at the same time. It means to look at our situation in, from your view and then compare it to his view. 
And at some point, when we do that properly and we learn to do that, because remember I told you, prayer is an exchange. Jesus said uh, in his teaching, he said, uh, you know, take my yoke upon you. And he said, it is, it, it's lighter, it's an easier yoke to bear. So take my yoke. Give me your yoke and, I'll t- and take mine. It's a better one. Because in this life you're going to have one, but if you're going to have one, you're better off having mine. So when we pray, in a sense, we exchange what we carry, the burdens we carry, and when we make a list of our prayers or when we write down the priorities of things that we really want God to do, they're, they're on the list because they are burdens we bear. They're on the list because they're important to us. And so when we bring them to God, you really want to exchange that, right? You're looking for an answer from God. And this is what the Hebrew idea, this is what the the original Bible intent is, is that we look at ourselves and look at our situation or we look at our list and then we look at how God looks at that. And when you can begin to reconcile those two and realize, my goodness, I serve a God who has answers. I serve a God who has power. I serve a God who loves me more than, uh, you know, all the earth that I'm, I'm surrounded by. I serve a God who cares about my future. And I serve a God who's willing to forgive the mistakes I made that got me to where I am. And he's willing to take my yoke. And he's willing to carry that all the rest of my days. Then I look at that. There's a peace that comes with that kind of praying. There's a peace that comes with that kind of awareness. That when I look at this my way, and if it's only my way that I see it, Lord, i got a problem. They're not treating me right. Somebody said so-and-so, and I don't have enough money, and my job is being threatened and everything. And we only look at it that way. Then we're only doing half the job we need to do when we pray. The other half is, Lord, you see my situation. You know my downsetting and my uprising. You know my burden. You know how this really is. And you know what happened. And Lord, now therefore, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Lord, the way you match this, the way you see this, is the way that I want to leave this. And that becomes a better definition of prayer than just to be able to pour out our complaint. There are times when that's a thing to do, like David did in the book of Psalms. He poured out his complaint before the Lord. But you can never forget that there's somebody else who's looking at this and sees it from a different perspective. That there are some things that happen uh, because God's allowed it. There are some things that happen that are, that are entirely for your good. There are some things that happen that we really don't know. They, like David said, I, I'm, I'm glad I went through this affliction. He said, because now, now, he says, I love thy word even more than what I did before. Now it's some corrected things in my life. And, and there, are, there are ways that God looks at things that happen in our lives that we don't always because we are constantly in pursuit of relief. We're constantly in pursuit of more. We're constantly in pursuit of a happiness that isn't promised to us at all. And so therefore, uh, it, the, the, the promises that are given to us like he says in divine healing here isn't based upon some mental tantrum. He said divine healing is based upon the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his atonement. He was wounded for our transgressions. So it's upon the atonement. We must, not let, we must let the Spirit come into our lives and take over our lives and have his way in our heart. Now, <clears throat> 
I'm going to leave you with just a couple of very quick screens here. Paul's advice, and I'm sorry for being so blatantly practical here today, but let me just say this. The press around us, if by my calculation, it's accumulating. And it is, the more I see it, the more I study it and observe it, the more it's a fulfillment of the scriptures that are spoken about in our time. When men's hearts would be failing for fear and, you know, the, 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 the leadership that we normally would rely on seems to have holes in it. And so, therefore, there's, a, there's weaknesses in the, in the leadership in this world. I was listening to the, the head of the U.N., and he was talking about, you know, the spread of sickness in the world. And he said, he basically said, my heart goes out to you. I don't have an answer, and I don't have a solution. My heart goes out to you. I thought, okay, that's nice. I'm glad I just don't have that to rely on. Do you understand my point? So here's what Paul teaches us. Philippians chapter 4. And if you don't mind, let's turn to this, because I wanted to show you something a little bit before and after these verses here. Just, I just want to look at a couple of quick verses, and then we'll find a place to close. Philippians 4 and verse 4. Just read what Paul says here. This is one of those sandwich verses. There's something on top, there's something below, a key verse. The key verse is verse 6. Be careful for nothing. That word careful there means worry. Christian is allowed to do a lot of things, but he's not allowed to worry. Because worry really doesn't accomplish anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And that's the key thing that he's wanting to say to people. Because people worry. People are concerned. We have natural, uh, natural apprehension about things that happen around us here. And, and this is a, a, a part of life. Now watch what Paul sandwiches this in between. Go to verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. There's always a place for rejoicing. And let your moderation, let it be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Now watch what's on the bottom of this. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now remember I told you before that that phrase there, uh, shall keep your heart, is a military term that Paul said is like building a garrison. When soldiers come into an area, the first thing they do is build a defensive uh, uh, barricade or somewhere that, that they can live, they can get behind. And, and this is exactly what Paul is telling us here as believers, that the peace of God shall keep your hearts. It's the peace of God that gives you a defense against the things that ordinarily would trouble you, that ordinarily would worry you. So you have rejoicing above it, and you have the peace of God below it, because in the middle we have care. We have worry. We have the strife and the anguish that we feel in this life. And so Paul is telling us very carefully that it, it, it is something that we need to do continually, is to rejoice, and when we're rejoicing, we're not complaining. When we're rejoicing, we're not, uh, we're not worrying. When we're rejoicing, we've got our focus on the right one. When we're rejoicing, we're looking to his resources, not ours. When we're rejoicing, we're not afraid what tomorrow holds. We just believe that he does hold tomorrow for us. Now, 
I, I realize this is very simple, and I, that was my intent here today. But let me look at another scripture, if you don't mind. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8, Let us, therefore, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. 1 Thessalonians 5. Thess, the, the saints in Thessalonica were under great persecution. They were under great stress and trial. Some had, had endured torture, and this was a difficult time for them. Paul is writing to them, and he's encouraging them. He says, now let us, let us do this. Let's be sober. Let's put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. You always have to keep hope and rejoicing together. You always have to keep that in front of you. For God has not appointed us to wrath but to obtain or possess salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Very briefly, wrath is that anger and disposition. You, the, the, the definition is pretty obvious. It's pretty self-evident here. But it is the, the anger that's exhibited in, in, a, in a kind of punishment and the outcome of things. That's, that's the idea that Paul is wanting to convey. You're not appointed to the wrath that will eventually be poured out upon this earth. You're not, you're not, uh, you, you've got another destiny. You've got another appointment. God has predestinated you for better things than, than the wrath that this world's going to experience. And you're not appointed to that wrath, but rather you are, in verse 9, but rather you are to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. You are to possess what God has in store for you that Satan will try to tell you that is not accessible to you. Now, Brother Branham deals with this very carefully, and he says, again, I'm going back to one of the earlier quotes here, the law of the Spirit of God is to force Satan to give up that which he has unrightfully and deceitfully taken from God. The souls of men he took from God. Souls of women, children, sickness of the body he placed upon people. And where God made them in his image to be like him. The church is given the rightful legal rights by the Bible to take the Holy Spirit and enforce those things upon him. So, so when we say that you are ordained to possess salvation and and to obtain full salvation which is what Paul writes in Thessalonians here God has not appointed you to wrath but to possess or to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ then you have a right to go to the one that has taken things from you that are given to you by God you have a right to go to him based on the law of God and take those things back from him because they are actually your possession he will make you feel like that, you know, hey, you're old and, uh, you know, there, there's a certain amount of sickness there or there's, or there's uh, you know, uh, problems in your life and it's there. Let me tell you sometimes, it's just sometimes it's just a matter of thievery. It's just a matter of deception. It's a matter of the liar coming and, and the deceiver coming and, and the, the false one coming to try to steal things from us and to steal our joy and to steal the things that God has given to us as benefits of being a believer that Satan has stole those things from us. We have a right to go to him and repossess those things that are actually ours. <clears throat> and he says you can take the Holy Spirit with you to do, get that done. He says... Restoration of the bride tree. And he was referring to Abimelech when he says, 
uh, to Abimelech in a dream. He says, give Sarah back to Abraham and restore that man his wife again. Give it back. That wife does not belong to you. That womb that she has does not belong to any other uh, man or any other seed but to Abraham's seed. And so therefore, I want you to restore that back to Abraham again. That's what he was telling Abimelech uh, uh, in the dream. Now, Brother Manum uses that example, and he says to restore means to return to the former owner or to bring back to the former estate or condition, and we can enforce a claim to be restored. When you go through the act of restoration, when you go through the act of reclaiming something, you can go back and enforce a claim to be restored as it was from the beginning. And if a claim is made, you can enforce it to make it come back to its right place. Do you hear what I just said? I'm going to end here. And if a claim is made, you can enforce it to make it come back to its right place. Right, here's what Brother Man is telling us now. He's telling us as believers here. Therefore, some way it went away from its rightful owner. The thing you had went away from its right owner. He says, and can wander around anywhere, but to restore is to bring it back to really who owns it or to bring it back to its natural state where it was at the first time, and bring it back to its natural condition. And, and, and his title here is the restoration of the bride tree. Now, there's some things you're not going to restore. There's some things you're not going to bring back, like the earth. You're not going to be able to restore the earth. I got news for the Pope. He's not going to be able to restore the earth either, right? Global warming and all the other things there. You know, he's, he's not going to do that because he's not able to restore the earth. I believe that God is the only one that's able to restore the earth. I believe that Jesus was the only one that was able to restore mankind back into a relationship with God through the blood of his cross. So you can't do that, but I have good news for you too. You don't need to do that. He already did that for you, and you just need to claim that blood and to, be, and, and to realize that he paid the price for me to come back into relationship with him again. But there are things that, that I want you to know this morning. I, I want you to leave here this morning with this idea that, that Brother Branham teaches us very clearly that there are things that, that through one means or another, Satan will come and he will steal from you things that are not his at all. They are yours, but he's got them in his hand. I'm telling you today that you have a right to go to him and claim it back and possess it again in the right condition and in the right way because that's your right as a believer through Christ Jesus. And I, I, I would say this to you today, that one of the chief things that Satan likes to steal from us in times like this is our joy. And the joy of the Lord is your and when we have no strength, we find it hard to resist the other things that come along. So you can see Satan's pattern. He tries to, uh, you know, he, he, he'll, he'll do all kinds of things to, uh, to, to rob you of uh, your armor and take your shield and take your helmet and take your sword and take your uh, breastplate. And he'll take all kinds of things from you. And he, he doesn't do it all at once. He'll do it once at a time in order to kind of weaken you and get you distracted here. And pretty soon you wind up standing there defenseless. I say this, that today as believers, no matter what the conditions and the times are like, there are some things that God gave to you by virtue of his death and resurrection. And they are yours, not his, not Satan's. They are yours, and you have a right to claim them back. 
And I'd say this, I think we should start with joy right there. I think we should start with the fact that, hey, even though I'm surrounded by bad news and I'm surrounded by messengers of gloom and I'm surrounded by conditions that are poor and getting poorer and I'm surrounded by a future that looks pretty dark, naturally speaking, you know what? I still have a right to the joy of the Lord because that's a part of the atonement. That's in the atonement. Peace with God. Joy and peace. Those are things that are, that are fruits of the Spirit, aren't they? Joy and peace and long-suffering. Those are things that are mine. Hey, then if, I'm a, if I'm a son of God or if I'm a daughter of God, and I, I am who uh, we, we're always harping about who we, who we really are, if I'm, if I'm actually a person, my goodness, uh, why is my day filled with worry? And my, why is my day filled with all kinds of distractions about uh, this world here? I, hey, I know we've got to live in it, and I know we've got to work in it, and I know we've got to provide, and I know you've got to make good choices about the future because our future is all of a sudden being shaken and rattled and all the rest of it. So we had to be wise as serpents, you know, and harmless as doves. I understand that. We're moving through the world in a very, uh, very different environment, and we're having to make decisions all the time about things that take place, and we realize there's consequences for that. Uh, I, I understand that. I, I, I get all of that. But at the end of the day, you know what? I can still say I'm glad I can say I'm one of them. I still can say I'm glad I'm redeemed by love divine. Oh, glory, glory, Christ is mine. All to him I now resign. I have been, I have been redeemed. That may seem shockingly simple, excuse me, but sometimes we lose sight of the very simple things. And we realize, you come to church and you realize, whoa, Whoa, I used to have that. Somebody stole that from me. We used to have the joy of getting together and have fellowship and have youth gatherings and all the other things that we did. And, you know, that was just a certain amount of joy related to that, a certain amount of weight gain as well, but a certain amount of joy that's related to all of that. But I will tell you this, you can still have joy without a meal. <clears throat> you can still have joy uh, you know, just just based on, it's, it's, it's easier when you have more people. It's easier when you have fellowship. It's easier when you have company of people of like precious faith. But I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, even if my body goes down to the earth, I'm still redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. And you know what? We have really nothing to fear except fear itself. We have, we have a future that's been appointed. We have a foundation that is sure. We have promises that are just as real today as the day they were spoken. We have resources that are quite literally unlimited. And we have a message that just doesn't fail. Matter of fact, it keeps proving itself. It keeps showing itself accurate and right and strong and pure in the times we live in. As a matter of fact, it even shines brighter when times get darker. It works. It's real. Things are going to happen exactly as the, the, the way that God has said. That's not going to be altered. That's not going to change. So therefore, let me assure you, and let me say this, that... <clears throat> I believe that the press around us, if, not, if, if it doesn't do anything else, if it doesn't accomplish anything else, but squeeze out all those fruits of the Spirit that are really yours and squeeze out all those attributes of God that he placed in there, 
if it does nothing else but to serve to bring out the character of who we really are and to express it and to rejoice evermore and let the peace of God surround us and, and be a garrison around our thinking and around our, uh, around our daily lives. If, 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 if the press around us functions to do that, then you know what? Bring it on. Bring it on. If the character makes us better, if the squeeze makes us better, bring it on. Should I still wash my hands, Brother Barry? Yes, you should still wash your hands. Don't ask me that anymore. Yes, we should still wash our hands. But if, if, this, if this is the way that God brings out strength in us, if this is the way that God brings out character in us, if this is the way that God does it to prepare us for the time when we all shall leave here, then I say, friends, we should say, Lord, keep me under the blood. <clears throat> keep me in the center of your will. But, Lord, I won't despise the afflictions that I go through. Because I believe that the afflictions of the righteous are many, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And like David said, we learn something by everything that we go through. Let's stand on our feet. Let's stop here. The press around us is real. The press around us is probably not going to go away. But in Christ alone, in Christ alone is our resource. Let's sing that this morning. In Christ alone, that's where our strength lays. That's where our resources are. I want you to sing this with me this morning here as we just look to him. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, I my all in all.
think about this. Is there something in your life that Satan has stolen that you'd like to go up to him face to face and stand there with all confidence and say, that is mine. I am here to take it back. That's my possession. That's my right. And I'd like to take it back. And it can be joy. It can be peace. It can be health. It can be whatever it is that Satan has stolen from you or, or wormed away from you. I'd like to pray this morning. Now remember, God is never impressed with how loud we pray or how long our prayers are. It's, it's faith that pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So when we pray today, pray from a position of faith that I know that I'm a son of God. And I know there are laws of God that work. And I know there are laws of God that are going to work when it comes to resurrection. And they work in this life now today as well. And there are things that I can repossess from the enemy. Bring them back to their original condition. A peace, a joy, a love, a zeal for God. For, for health, whatever it is, if it's yours, go after it. If it's yours, don't hesitate. Go after it with all your strength and all your might and claim it back from him. And if he resists, remember you have the Holy Spirit on your side. I need you to think about it. I need you to think for a moment now and identify something. There may be multiple things, but identify something that you're going to go after today. Heavenly Father, as we bow today, with our eyes closed, Lord, we realize that we are, when we bow our heads and close our eyes, we're a very vulnerable people, physically speaking. But we are not afraid of that position because we know that we stand in Christ, in Christ alone. We stand in a position ready to take back what is ours. We stand, Lord, with a confidence that your word is true and your laws actually work. And there's nothing, nothing greater than the power of the spoken word of Almighty God. And so, Lord, I pray that we would 
take that upon our lips today and claim back those things that are ours, to claim those things, Lord, that Satan has stolen from us. And he is a thief. He's a liar. He has robbed things from us. And, Lord, whether it's a loved one, whether it's health, joy, or peace, whether it's the ability to forgive or whatever else, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that, Lord, you would give these believers that inspiration to be able to know that they are backed by the power of all heaven and the Holy Spirit himself to go and reclaim those things and bring them back into a condition like they were at the beginning. And, Lord, I pray that you would give us that courage. Give us, I pray, those things that Satan has taken back. And may we not fear in searching, Lord, and possessing those things that are ours. Because we have been appointed, we have, we have been ordained to salvation. And the salvation, Lord, that restores us back into a position as sons and daughters of God. And they who have gone through adoption, Lord, we have an authority with the Father. And so, Lord, may we not hold back at all, but may, Lord, we be bold in possessing and reaching forth for those things. Lord, we think of those who are sick today, those who are not here. We think of those, Lord, who are recovering and going through different things. Some, Lord, who are mourning loss. And some, Lord, who are just trying to, you know, make it through each day. Some, Lord, have a, have a, a burden, Lord, about their future and about their jobs and situations, Lord. And how Satan will like to get in there and make things even more complicated than what they are. But the promises of God are still true and are still right and they still work. And, Lord, you're still mindful of the cry that we have. You're not so far above us that you cannot see us. You're not laying down so that we're hidden from your view. You're not on a distant hill somewhere so you don't hear our cry. But, Lord, we believe that you are close, even as nigh, as close as the breath we breathe. And so in the name of Jesus, I commit the people to you with their burdens, with their hands raised. And I just ask you, Lord Jesus, just to inspire them and minister to their hearts. We love you. We thank you. We look to you. And we trust you. Thank you, Lord, for our time together today. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Jesus. What is that? Let's sing a song we haven't sung for a while here. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Joy in the Lord. J-O-Y. Joy. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy. O-Y. Joy. Joy in Devil steal your joy. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Joy in the Lord. One more time. J O Y joy. Joy in the Holy Ghost. J O Y joy. Joy in the Lord. Oh, don't let nobody. Steal your joy. Don't let nobody steal your joy. Don't let nobody steal your joy.
joy in the Lord. I go to the rock of my salvation. Go to the stone that the builders rejected. Run to the mountain and the mountain stands by me. The earth all around is sinking sand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. I go to the rock of my salvation. Go to the stone that the builders rejected. Run to the mountain and the mountain stands my Solid rock I stand Get all excited Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King Tell Jaron to come up here. Jesus Christ is King. King of Kings. Sing it again now. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that. Thank you. 
Let's sing the song together, I bless your name. Amen. Prisoners chained with bleeding stripes, all inside us prayed that night.
the times we live in, we need, we need moments of encouragement. We need, we need times when we're reminded of the promises, as simple as they are. You know what? They're, they're familiar and they're simple because we rely on them. We, we read them a lot. And, and we need to. We, we need to encourage ourselves and to, and, to, and to embrace those and realize you know, what they work. They're, they're God's word. If they're God-breathed, they're going to work. If you have a right to claim things, you should claim them. If you have a right to, uh, you know, to, to experience certain things, you should press on because there's, there's, there's nothing untrue about God's word. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship, one accord in praise. Every praise, oh, it's to our God. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah to our God. Oh, glory, hallelujah is to our God. Every praise, every praise. Our God, God my Savior, God my Savior, God my Healer, God my Deliverer, yes He is, yes He is, God my Savior, God my God, my deliverer, yes, he is, yes, he is. Now every praise is to our God, oh, every word of worship, oh, every praise, every praise, oh, it's to our God. Sing hallelujah. Our God, oh glory, hallelujah, to our God, every praise, every praise, oh, it's to our God, oh God, my Savior, God, my healer, God, my deliverer, yes, Yes, He is, God, my Savior, God, my healer, God, my deliverer, oh, yes, He is, yes, He is, now every praise is to our God, and every word of worship, oh, every praise. Every praise, yes, it's to our God. Sing hallelujah, church. Sing hallelujah to our God. Oh, glory, hallelujah. It's to our God. Every praise, every praise. Oh, it's to our God. God, my Savior. God, my Savior. Oh, you're my healer. Show my deliverer. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. God, my Savior. 
so far. He can shut down nations. He can cripple economies. He can make all kinds of people sick. But he cannot stop the bride of Jesus Christ. And you are the living representation of that bride. 
Therefore, we should be proud of who we are. We should stand strong based on the promises that God's given to us. I'm excited. Gather your children close to you there. I'd like to pray for all of them that are going back to school. and uh, Even if you're homeschooling or if you're in a, a public setting of some sort, uh, we want to pray especially for our children and uh, pray that the Lord will protect them, especially this time uh, going back into school because of the, uh, the cautions that we have. But... Uh, I believe that God cares about our little ones, that's for sure. Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence today, it's been good for us to be in the house of the Lord. And Lord, we have the consolation of knowing that we are the people of God. We are the ones you died for. And Lord, you chose us to live in the very last of the ages in order to bring this bride across the finish line. Our desire, Lord, is to walk with you, to serve you, to know you more. And to live a life that pleases you just like Enoch did. And now, Lord, as time has gone on and we've come to the end of another summer, Lord, our kids are going back to school. And whether they're doing things online or whether they're doing things in a public setting with other kids or whether they're homeschooling, every set of parents here, Lord, I know it's their burden to pray for their children and ask that they would be safe, that they would prosper that they would be blessed, that moms and dads would have wisdom and patience in knowing how to lead their families. And Lord, doing it in a world that's filled with so much corruption and darkness is never an easy thing. But Lord, we know that all things are possible to them who believe. And so we entrust our children into your hands. Pray that you keep your hand upon them. Ask, Lord Jesus, that you keep them safe from all sicknesses. And may the hand of the evil one be stayed. May, Lord, it be cast aside. And, Lord, give our children protection, I pray. Not only in school, but through their year and all their endeavors, Lord, I ask that you would just have your hand of mercy upon them. We love you and we thank you for this time together. And we ask now that you would bless each one that's represented here today. And for those that are listening, we commit them to you. Trust that your blessing would reach them today. Father, may you strengthen us in your service now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and ask all of these things. Amen. And amen. And amen. Thank you this morning. Thank you for coming and being here today. And may the Lord richly bless you. And we'll see you on Wednesday night. <clears throat> Let's sing that little uh, chorus. Sister Becky, I sing praises to your name. Let's sing that this morning as we go. May God bless you. I sing praises to your name, O Lord. Praises to your name, O
sing as you go this morning. We sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name. 